When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, tech fans, and welcome into the latest Tech Sideline podcast, back for the second week in the row with the NCAA March Madness theme song because the Hokies are continuing to dance on in the NCAA tournament. This week's podcast originating from TSL's High Tech Studios in the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. I'm your host, Evan Hughes. As always, we've got Will Stewart, we've got Chris Coleman, and we're ready to talk Virginia Tech sports this week in what has really been one of the busiest and maybe the most exciting week in all of this academic school year in athletics. We've got so much to get to. Virginia Tech, Sweet 16 bound, first time since 1967. Makai Lewis winning a national championship, the first for wrestling. And right now, spring sports at an all-time high. But before we dive into it, how are you guys doing? How is life? Hanging in there, man. I'm trying to plan my trip up to uh, D.C., and I think I finally got things figured out. I got a buddy that lives in uh, Fairfax, fairly close to a metro station, so I'm not going to mess with those expensive hotels and airbnbs i'm just going to ride the metro in for the stuff we have to do and i think i finally got it figured out so that's a load off my mind you know there i think i think it was a couple of years ago lebron and the cavaliers rode the subway into madison square garden to play the knicks i mean hey gotta <laughs> get the uh the real feel maybe we'll see a couple hokies on the train i'm sure it must must be tight fitting all those tall guys into a into a subway train yes especially if it was taco fall Oh, my goodness. Uh, Nice segue. Chris Coleman, uh, you know, we've talked so many times on this podcast. You've covered Virginia Tech basketball for quite some time. You've been a Hokies basketball fan all your life. What would uh, this Chris Coleman in 2019 tell uh, Chris Coleman in 1995 about Tech getting to the Sweet 16? (laughs) I I think I would say, man. I don't know, to be honest with it. I just – I don't know how I would have ever pictured it happening back in 1995, you know. But I was 13 years old when, you know, that 95-96 team made the NCAA tournament. And I thought at the time that Virginia Tech got screwed as far as seeding goes. But as I've, as I've grown up and, and we've actually gone to some NCAA tournaments and I – see how the seeding process works and I see a bunch of teams that pretty much have the exact same resumes as Virginia Tech from mid-major conferences like Virginia Tech was in back then they're getting eight and nine seeds these days and that's just the way it was you know I, I think uh, I, I think now that we've made three NCAA tournaments in a row including a sweet 16 I, I'm less inclined to look back at those four years of the Greenberg era or the 95-96 season and say, oh, we got screwed. No, we didn't. We just didn't have enough quality wins or we didn't win enough games or our non-conference schedule was just awful. So, yeah, so for some background, Virginia Tech was in the Atlantic 10 back then, and I think they won the regular season championship. No, they, no. Uh, they, they was split into two different – uh, UMass was uh, really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, they, Virginia Tech was the number one seed in their division. Yeah. So that, that was your – so we're talking uh, – 
95, 96. That was the year that Tech um, uh, got as high as eighth in the rankings. And I think at the time the NCAA tournament bids were announced, Tech was ranked about 16th. And then they got seated eighth or ninth, whichever. I think it was. It was a, I think they were on the non-seed actually. Yeah. And I remember, I remember Sean Smith, I believe, was the post player back then. Uh, I guess he was the center. I remember him saying, "You know, how can you be ranked 16th in the country and only get a nine seed?" Well, you know, because you're in the Atlantic Ten and you don't have a lot of good wins. Right, and, and you know, and, ba- I get it. and back then they really paid attention to your last ten games. That was one of the factors, and I think f- probably. Three or four Virginia Tech's losses came in the last ten games. They lost to UMass, and then the next weekend they lost to Temple, and then they lost their first game of the Atlantic Ten Tournament to Rhode Island. Was that the first game? Because I, I thought it was the first game. Maybe not. You know, I, I really don't like dredging up this this, <laughs> this kind say, of history. We got so much positive uh, to bring so up. We're right talking now. about Atlantic Ten basketball. Yeah, so let's get it out of the way. I remember Tech went to four Atlantic Ten tournaments. The only team they ever beat in the A Ten tournament was Fordham. Fordham. And, you know, yeah, they lost early that year, so it wasn't a good end of the year. All right, anyway. so 1995, they went 23-6. Mm-hmm. and six. Mm-hmm. Yes, sounds right. And you look at those last ten games, lost to UMass 74-58, lost to Temple. Gosh, great memory, Chris, 51-47. Lost to Rhode Island on the road 77-71. Yeah, and that then, was a tournament. And then, yeah, because uh, we had a first-round yeah. bye. Yep, Okay. okay. So, so anyway, let's move on. Let's put that yeah, let's in the past. <laughs> Again, we're so glad you're with us. Tech Sideline Podcast, whether you're watching live on Facebook. Hello, everybody. Be sure to get your questions ready or you're listening on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much for being with us. But let's continue that train of thought. I yes. don't know what you have next on your magic. Uh, yes, let's do the sponsor promo first. Uh, of course, because <laughs> each and every week, the Tech Sideline Podcast is proudly presented by the official law firm, Virginia's trusted DUI and traffic defense firm, dedicated to defending individuals charged with traffic-related offenses. From their offices in Blacksburg and Roanoke, the official law firm handles cases throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia. To date, the firm has defended more than 30,000 people charged with moving violations. For a free consultation, call anytime, day or evening, toll-free, at 1-800-680-7031, 1-800-680-7031 is that number again, or you can email them at info at fisherlegal.com. And I'm sure one hokey who has to be happy is Jonathan Fisher about this past week, of course, over at the official law firm. Big time tech fan, and, and this, this promo reminds me I haven't billed this card yet for this month's sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> Need to get on that. Need to get right on that. Uh, so, one of the things that Chris and I were talking about in the office yesterday was we sat there for years and years and watched Virginia Tech get these bids with these 8-9 seeds. You know, maybe you get past the fellow 8-9 seed, then you wind up playing a number one and you're out. Um, we saw when Tech was a number five seed back in 2007, their their matchups were bad. Uh, Tech was a, was a running team that year, and they were matched up with two half-court teams in Illinois and Southern Illinois. We saw Tech at one point in the 80s, of course, Chris, I don't think he was even alive for this. Tech went to the NCAA tournament, and two of their players were late for a uh, – or didn't even show up for a practice. And there's a story there. Charlie Morris sat him on the bench, it, it, like, for significant minutes, okay? So there's always something going wrong. So you'd sit there and you'd watch, and you'd watch these other teams that had these, you know, easy paths to the Sweet 16, either by their seeding or upsets that happened or something like that. And lo and behold, after all these years, that finally happened to Virginia Tech. They got the four seed. They got a matchup with a 13 that 
that wasn't good. And the that Tech we, had already beaten by 16 in an exhibition. That were there, you know, not not to knock St. Louis. They did win their the eight. Oh, the eight. sorry. It was literally no, you're right. St. Louis. You're right. You're, you're both. Wobbles yeah. were one, one round ahead. Anyway, go ahead. So you know, St. Louis is not a good basketball team, and they didn't play well either. They didn't throw in a bunch of three pointers or anything, and that was a. Now Tech came out and played really well in the first half, so that was a fairly easy win to get to the round of 32, and then uh, Liberty. You know, I didn't think Tech, for long stretches, played very well. Neither did Liberty. First of all, Liberty did Tech the favor of upsetting the number five seed. And meeting Virginia Tech as a 12 seed, and then they didn't. Then they didn't play that well. So after all these years, it's finally. Uh, I told Chris yesterday. I thought that, and I think he wrote this in an article. I thought that when Tech made the Sweet 16, it was going to be awesome. It's going to be because they played lights out, and maybe they hit a buzzer beater, and they were going to be you know one shining moment. Not really. They just kind of showed up, played a few games, and boom, there you are. Yeah, so, they're yeah. just better. Uh, I, yeah, it's yeah. nice to see after all these years. I think that's a great way to kind of recap it. Because I sat there and watched both of these games, and I think the word that comes to mind for me, it was very anticlimactic. Yeah. Uh, they just coasted and their way right into the Sweet 16. You, you knew unless Tech was going to get upset that they should handle both of these teams with ease. And they did. And they did, it's, and it's nice. So you asked us before, uh, before we went on the air, uh, uh, were, were you asking me and Chris, were you nervous during that first half? And eh, not really, you know. And I told you I would have been nervous if it was close with about ten minutes left. Talking about the Liberty game. Liberty game, yes. And and I think that's one thing that's a testament to the the seniors on this team. I go back to something that my high school football coach told me, and it sticks with me to this day. And that's you have to find ways to win different kinds of games when you're a good team. And kind of going off of that. Tech found ways to win that Liberty game when they really – that was not one of their best games of the year. That's yeah. not one of their resume you'd put on your portfolio. That was not a terrific all-around win, but they got the job done, and kudos to them. you got to survive in advance. Yeah, Mississippi State couldn't. Right. right. <laughs> Mississippi State couldn't be Liberty. Hey, and going off of the seedings, I want to get y'all's thoughts on this too. Even if Tech had to match up against Mississippi State – I I felt like Mississippi State was overseeded, and that's of course easy to say now. But I did say that last week before they played as a five. I think there's so many times you hear Virginia Tech fans on the boards and everything, and there's you know the hokey curse in sports and things. And there's there, there are times where Tech has gotten wrong, like you're saying with seeding. But this is the one. This is a time where I think you could go back and look at this ten years down the road and say Tech got a pass on this one. Yeah, I think uh, Tech got a certain to a certain extent. You know. They got that four seed because of Justin Robinson. Uh, as far as Mississippi State goes, their resume was actually pretty similar to Tech's Correct. In, in that they lost to the teams they were supposed to lose to and they beat the teams they were supposed to for the most part. Um, except they did that in the SEC rather than the ACC. Correct. <laughs> And there, there's a little bit of a difference there. Again, continuing on, it's a happy podcast, even though we did start off talking about the 1995 <laughs> season. It is a 96. terrific week for Virginia Tech sports fans. Hokies are in the Sweet 16 for the first time since 1967. Um, I want to kind of dive into each game kind of individually. We don't have to spend a ton of time on it because they weren't really close. But the one thing that stuck out to me and the thing I wanted to lead off talking about the two games looking at them side by side is I think if you split it up into each half, so four halves of basketball, the best half that Virginia Tech played in the first weekend was the first half against St. Louis. 
Yeah, I would agree with it. I mean, they came out, put up over 40 points, shot the ball extremely well. You know, Med Hill had that crazy acrobatic three-pointer to get things going mm-hmm. against St. Louis. I mean, things were really clicking for Tech in that first game, especially the first half. So that so that three-pointer, if I remember correctly, you're talking about the one where it was it was eight to eight to six or something like Correct. that. It shot was eight, clock six. winding down. Yep. He was 30 feet away from the basket, mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah, tosses it in, and then as the buzzer went off and. That was that kind of dropped the gate on the whole proceedings, and, and Tech kind of ran away with it in the yeah, first half. After and, that. And, and if you're St. Louis, you're one of the worst shooting teams in the country. St. Louis is exactly who I thought they were. They yeah. played. They played like their stats the whole season would indicate they, they would did. Play. Us the they favorite. rebounded uh, the well, the ball well. They played decent. They, 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 they played shoot. tough. They played hard. They just have no skill at all. Yeah. Now they didn't play all that particularly tough and hard in the first half, but they were very good in the second half, getting the offensive rebounds and and you know trying to mount some sort of comeback. So if you're St. Louis and you and you know you can't shoot, and then Virginia Tech just throws that in. After a possession where you played great defense, you know that 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 was probably deflating to a certain extent. It would de- it deflates me as a fan when that happens to Virginia Tech. So what was it like? You know, we've talked for a month about Justin Robinson and you know speculating would he come back. What was that first moment when you saw him walk onto the court? Did it bring a smile to your face? I mean, did it? Did it? Was it just so nice to see five back out on the yeah, floor? Yeah, you know, I watched him pretty closely, but. I didn't really get excited about it until the first time uh, the Hokies got the ball in transition with him in the game, and he threw up to Ahmed Hill, and I think I tweeted, man, I had just about forgotten how pretty he is in transition, man. Uh, That's that's some impressive stuff. Um, I was happy to have him back. I I thought he played well in the first half against St. Louis. Uh, He looked fatigued the last ten minutes of the game or so, I thought. But I thought he looked energetic the entire 29 minutes he played the next day against Liberty. I never looked out there and said, man, that guy's coming off an injury. You can tell he's not himself. I didn't think he was – you know, he wasn't the Syracuse version of J-Rob, but, but I thought he did fine. And I didn't think – at the end of the game, I didn't, you know, see his hands on his knees or anything like that. So, it was I, I thought he was better in the second game than he was in the first game, which is what you'd expect from a guy who missed a month and a half. I do think he's favoring the foot. Um, you know, I, I can even see him gimping a little bit at times. I think he hides it pretty well. And sometimes you can't even tell. Like that, that one bucket he had in the second half against Liberty where he, he drove into the middle and they forgot to keep paying attention to him. <laughs> you know, right, might, that was a great bucket. getting a layup yeah. out of it. There, there are moments where he looks like he's 100%. But there are other moments if you really watch him a lot, and I watched him a lot, I, I think he's still not 100%. So, and that's another gift of – uh, winning those two games fairly easily um, and and knowing that you were going to get another five or six days to rest him before you had to play in the Sweet 16. Uh, I thought, and, and Chris, you might have better feedback about this, it wasn't like they stuck him out at the point and he ran the point the whole time. There was, right. a, there was a lot of him going down and standing he was on the in wing. the corner. Yeah. You know? Well, and that was one thing we had talked about, and especially I remember Chris you know, mentioning that Virginia Tech's going to get one chance, so to speak, when J-Rob comes back because you've got the old offense and you've got the new offense, old offense being push it, transition, quick shots, up-tempo. The new offense with Kerry Blackshear Jr. kind of running the point from the free-throw line. And with J-Rob coming off the bench, it looks like the way things are going to work is that it's going to be kind of this new offense when J-Rob was out. That's what it looked like to me. More so games. than yeah. yeah. Now we'll see once Buzz has a chance to watch that film, and we got some time to prepare, and we'll see if that's any different. 
at this point. I think part of that is, you know, how Robinson performs in practice and if they feel like he can play at full speed. Uh, and the way he plays point guard is at full speed. Yeah. You know, so. Well, that's what got him hurt. Right. Yeah, no, no kidding. Uh, so him playing 29 minutes the other night against Liberty, well, you know, he, he played probably in those 29 minutes a full speed Justin Robinson you know, he he probably expends that much energy in about twenty minutes. Yeah. You know, you know, him running the point, him running at full speed, Virginia Tech running the high tempo stuff. So uh, I, I'm I'm good. I'm good that they've eased him back into it. And and you know, you could see some different wrinkles this week with more sure. time to prepare and, and with him getting his legs under him. And, and I, then I anticipate by the time Tech plays in the Final Four, he'll be a hundred percent. Well, and it's you know. <laughs> um, to me, it almost seems like two, by watching the first two games, it was almost a kind of the best of two offenses in the sense that they ran their sets with Blackshear at the free throw line. However, there were a lot of transition baskets. There were times where J-Rob was out in transition, outlet passing, mm-hmm. and so it, and that's kind of a little bit of a mix, a sprinkle of what offense looked like at times. And to me, still, going off of J-Rob coming back, to me, the one person who looked like he's getting back to his old self was Nikhil Alexander-Walker. In the first game, I thought so. I didn't think he played very well against against Liberty. Uh, um, he, I think he forced some things against Liberty. Um, he didn't finish well a couple times around the basket. Yeah, but he yeah. did have six assists. Yeah, right. He closed him out with that pass to Blackshear. Which was a yeah. terrific – That was a nice catch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's not an easy so, pass to catch. Wrapping up the first game again, so Tech winning pretty easily, had a big halftime lead where it was 40-18 to 18 at the break. They were outscored 34-26 in the second half, 66-52 uh, the final score. Alexander Walker, 20 points. KJ had 15, and uh, Ahmed Hill had 10. So, again – getting J-Rob back. And then you go to the Liberty game where Tech trailed at halftime. Liberty, you could tell, riding some momentum off of that first-round win, which, by the way, was a terrific game. Did you guys watch the Mississippi State game? I only saw the highlights. I watched the last 10 minutes of it, right. which was and, a really good game. Which, which they the came back. The they were down. And they uh, there were times I thought they were going to lose that one, and they and they came back. But, again, final numbers from the from the Liberty game, KJ 19-9, uh, Hill 14. Um, Outlaw had a double-double, 10-11. Uh, and then J-Rob with 13 points off the bench. Yeah, and so, Outlaw got off to a rough start. Uh, correct. He, he missed two he, he was, wide he was one of shots. He was one of six with three missed three-pointers. Right. And I actually tweeted out, at one point in the second half, I said, Outlaw is turtled. He's been sitting on one of six for a long time. Boom, three-pointer, a little mm-hmm. bit of action. Boom, three-pointer. And, yes, I was – I was nice enough to give him credit. Yeah. Shortly yeah. after sure. I called him out on Twitter, you know, he hit a couple three-pointers. And I thought that, that really, really turned it up and got him going. Yeah, the ones uh, he missed in the first half were ones that he normally makes. Yeah. And they were very easy ones uh, for, for him. Well, for most guys, honestly. He was so open. Um, and, I, and I thought that was kind of the same for most of the side players. I think, uh, I think Blackshear started off two of nine. Yeah, they just weren't they weren't sharp as You're, far right. as their shooting goes. Right. Uh, so, and you know, Liberty was hitting some tough shots. They, they were. were hitting some fairly tough shots. So, I, I thought to be down at three points at halftime with the way that went, particularly the first ten minutes of the game, I thought if if, if things even came close to evening out, 
to the way they had been for most of the season for Virginia Tech than, than I thought Tech was going to win that game. Not necessarily easily, but uh, because they were behind. Comfortably. But comfortably, yeah. Yep, continuing on the uh, the Liberty discussion from the round of 32 win for Virginia Tech, Tech Sideline Podcast. One thing I, I found interesting looking at the box score, and maybe I'm reading into this too much, but I was curious to get your, both of your thoughts. So, J-Rob plays 29 minutes in both games. One thing, we'll get to that in a minute. Curious to see if that increases, you would think, against Duke this weekend. But a couple of other interesting notes. So Outlaw and Blackshear Jr. both played 39 minutes. That was tied for the most. Uh, Alexander Walker only played 36 only. That was only a four-minute break. But something interesting, you look at the bench. I mean, J-Rob kind of serving as the sixth man. Wilkins was six minutes and only one minute for P.J. Horn. Yeah. Found that interesting because Horn was really in the rotation for the majority of the regular season. And to me, maybe it's just me, but I feel like we haven't seen as much P.J. Horn since he came back from that injury. Is that a fair statement? Uh, yeah, I don't think he's looked fairly rusty. I also, I also think with Liberty, Liberty's such a small team that they wanted as much Blackshear in that game as possible. Yeah, Blackshear was too much for Scotty James. Uh, first time I saw Scotty James play, it was uh, – they were playing uh, at Radford in the Big South Tournament That's Championship right. yeah. a year ago. And I was impressed with, uh, with, his, with his body control, his, some of his post moves. He's not big enough to play at the major level, but, wow, Blackshear was just too much for him in terms of just pure strength and size. And, and what I still like about seeing Chico out there, Wilkins, when he gets his minutes, he, I mean, 110% of effort. I mean, that guy lays it on the floor Tell every man, time. That, that, that dude's just good. You know, I, I don't remember the exact moment at which this happened, but uh, somebody threw a pass to, to him that was a little bit hot, and he actually didn't catch it. Because <laughs> one of the things I think is great about him is his positioning and his hands. You know, I've, 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 I've put on Twitter, and I probably said it on the podcast, you know, 10, 15 years from now down the road when, when you're playing pickup ball at the elementary <laughs> school, that's your guy, man. Yeah. You, you're like, yeah, yeah, he's about 30 pounds overweight, but he can ball. I know him. I'm that is one of my favorite things that has been said on this podcast <laughs> all year was Chris Coleman just out of the blue. That guy's going to be at the YMCA one day, and you're going to pick him out, and you're not going to think, yeah. any, and he's going to just ball out. He'll get picked yeah. fourth, and he'll dominate the game. Well, <laughs> there, there, there's a reason he was there available to sign in the month of July. Um, he's chubby. He, yeah, you know, he's not one of those guys that is necessarily going to show up well in an AAU game because AAU games. I mean, some the quality. Well, some some are better than others. Sometimes they play defense. Sometimes they play defense like the NBA All Star game. Right. You know, so I think he's more likely to be successful with a coach like Buzz Williams uh, when you know a lot of the fundamentals are stressed and things like that. Uh, I don't think he necessarily would be a great player under some other coaches, depending on the offensive system and, and things like that and what players are asked to do. But uh, I think he's got a high basketball IQ, and he plays really hard. He certainly understands how hard to play. Continuing on, Tech Sideline Podcast recapping the first round and the second round of the NCAA tournament. Hokies into the Sweet 16, taking on Duke. We'll get to that discussion uh, in just a moment, but I want to recap this by a, a little fun segment I'm going to throw at you. We're going to go call this Into the Classroom. We have Professor Stewart and we have Professor Coleman, and you guys have the job of grading Virginia Tech's 
opening weekend performance in the NCAA tournament. Has to be letter grades, plus or minus, is okay. Okay. Uh, I'll give you guys a couple of seconds to think about this, and I'll, I'll give you a couple of questions into the classroom. Again, we've got Professor Coleman, we've got Professor Stewart, and uh, who would like to go first? I'll go B minus. Okay. I mean, I, I for thought, the whole weekend. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I mean, I, when you, I thought they played really well the first half against St. Louis. I thought they did well uh, in the second half against Liberty. Um, I think uh, the second half against St. Louis, when the Billikens were able to come back, you're up by 22 points and you're going up against a team you know can't shoot, and you're playing again two days later. I think you're going to naturally slack off to a certain extent. So I, I don't really weigh that grade. Okay. I don't really use that particularly in, in my uh, in my grading. So, but I, I didn't think it was their best basketball. But I, I just certainly didn't think it was their worst either. And uh, I think when you look beating a team like Liberty, you know Liberty really wanted to win that game. Obviously, to go to the Sweet Sixteen. Obviously, to beat a local opponent. Uh, they were a hot team. They had only they, Liberty's only lost or had only lost once since January. So, uh, on the whole, I thought it was a good performance. Uh, not, not great, uh, but not average either. Okay. We'll have some uh, opportunities for extra credit this weekend, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> no yeah. kidding. Uh, Professor Stewart. A to A-plus on the first half of the uh, uh, St. Louis game. C in the second half. Okay. So, you come out to a B or a B-minus for okay. that game. Uh, it's, it's funny. Uh, sometimes when you're taking a test – you know how to solve a problem, but you make a mistake and you get it wrong anyway. And that's kind of the first half of, hmm. uh, of the Liberty game. Uh, and that's my way of saying they were doing all the right stuff. They just weren't making their shots. So uh, I like the analogy. It, 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 it depends. Are we just go? Is it multiple choice? So the answer is either right or wrong. No, no way. I'm, I'm just this is rhetorical. If you want to grade the first half of the Liberty game, if it's multiple choice, then that's probably like a C. If you're actually looking at the work they've done to arrive at the answer, it's probably a B or a B plus. You know, they just didn't make the shots. And uh, then in the second half, you know, more of a more of a B B plus type effort. So I'm kind of landing with Chris for the whole weekend about a B or a B minus, which is great when you cannot play your best basketball and yeah. make it into the Sweet 16. I I, I think uh, you look. Sometimes you just can't help how you shoot. Um, it is what it is. I mean, I thought they played great against UVA at home. They had a ton of open looks in that game and went three of twenty-eight. Right. Uh, which, which that's is, just the way it goes. Hard to believe. Yeah. Okay. So uh, last question here for our professors from mm. the weekend. Your MVP of the weekend for Virginia Tech was who? And mm. give me a reason why. Uh, you know, I don't, I'm not sure of his stats off the top of my head, but I, I go Ahmed Hill. I think he. Uh, he was the most consistent performer over the two games. I think that Blackshear in the second game was probably the best player for any one game, but from a consistency level over two games, Med made some big shots. Uh, Had 10 the first game, 14 the 14 second, the second game. game. It was that early three-pointer that got him up on St. Louis, and that uh, it was a late first-half three-pointer against Liberty, and then that early second-half three-pointer against Liberty. Um, all that little stretch. I thought his shots were big. I thought his energy was 100% consistent, as it always is with Ahmed Hill. So, uh, you know, kind of a quiet MVP, so to speak. But uh, I, don't, I don't think there was one standout for Virginia Tech over the weekend. So, I'm going to give it to Med based on consistency. 
I can't argue with that. Okay. You know, that, that, that sounds fair enough to me. Uh, I, I think, you know, you, you, could, you could get all gushy and sentimental and give it to J-Rob for coming back and inspiring the team and yada, 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 yada. And I don't think you're wrong there. Um, but if you want to get down to who contributed the most, there were a lot of guys that contributed. Uh, you know, Nikhil contributed a lot in the first game. I thought Ty got it going in the second game at an important point. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we didn't talk about is he had 11 rebounds against Lee. Yeah, that's what I was sure. – You I'm, know, I, so one of the things I do, uh, I have a schedule page that I do on Tech Sideline. I'm, and for years I've been listing the two leading scorers and the two leading rebounders for each game. So I'll do date, time, result, leading scorers, leading rebounders. And it's remarkable how many times Ty Outlaw is one of the two leading rebounders mm-hmm. for Virginia Tech. You know, and, and people rag on his defense, which – It's better. It's better. It's not it's awful. It's still not necessarily good. Kind of like a Matt Hill. Better yeah. defensively this year than he was last year. And, and he's one of the best shooters in the country, but his, his rebounding is underrated. He's got this sneaky way on, on shots of, of going in – Right around, right around the free throw line, slashing across the middle on those long shots and just picking up a lot of them. He's got, he's got good vertical to get up in that space, and he's also he can get down low and body people out. And this is one of the things we didn't think they'd have this year. Uh, I, I think, you know, I, didn't, I don't think people thought that Ty Outlaw could be a rebounder they would lean on this year, but I think he's turned out to be that kind of guy. Yep. I think he's kind of the example, him and Med. I think this team is tougher than it was the last two years, and I, I don't—I mean that from a physical standpoint. Uh, they've they've always been a pretty me, uh, mentally tough team, in my opinion. But their physical toughness, and this is what I always try to tell people, who always said, "Oh man, we need a true power forward in Blackshear, and just play center and blah blah." We need a more traditional lineup. No, we just need our guys to be tougher. We need our—we need Ahmed Hill to physically beat up their shooting guard, and we need Ty Outlaw to play, to rebound like Brian Matthews, uh, you know, who, you know, who was an undersized power forward who averaged nine rebounds a game. Mm. So, uh, I, so it's certainly possible to play well with an undersized lineup. I mean, Jamon Gordon had 16 rebounds in a game once. He had 13 rebounds in a game once. He was 6'3". Um, so you just need some junkyard dogs out there. And I think Virginia Tech developed a more junkyard dog mentality this year. And they weren't necessarily any bigger and they were just – they're rebounding this year, to me, besides being better defensively, that was the biggest improvement is, is their rebounding. It was not elite, but for their size level, it, it, was, it was excellent. And they didn't need to be great. They just needed to be average. They just needed to not get crushed on the boards, and they certainly accomplished that. I was I was either reading an old game recap or watching an old game recently, and it was a game they lost where they got hammered on not this year but last year or the year before. They got hammered on the boards like forty-seven to twenty-nine by somebody I don't know who. Might have been Louisville, it, but it just um, could have been. But that didn't happen this year. No, never. You know, and and that was a big concern coming into the year, and it just never got talked about. I mean, you, I, I agree. Yeah, you look at what they did against Florida State in those two games at the end of the season. And I, I know they lost those games, but they held their own on the on the boards. They outscored Florida State in the paint. Um, just just they outscored a, just almost everybody, everybody in, the in the paint. Yeah, it's just just a much tougher team this year, in my opinion. And I think it's, and I don't think it's it's the fact that. You know, they didn't get any bigger. We know that. Everybody just, re- for their position, rebounded better. We didn't need an extra big man. We needed our guards to start 
beating up those other guards, man. And I and, thought and Nikhil's, Beattie, Nikhil's an outstanding rebounder. Nikhil's developed into a very good rebounder for his size. Beatty's a tough kid, good rebounder. I thought Jet Robinson was pretty decent at it this year, and, and Hill is, is solid. And Outlaw took a big step forward. Uh, so, I mean, everybody improved the rebounding. Blackshear, too. And then you bring in uh, Wilkins off the bench, and that dude's a tank. He's like 6'3", 230. Nobody wants to get in his way. Uh, so it's not the tallest team in the world, but it, they, they had much more of that junkyard mentality that I was looking for this year. There were uh, – we'll close this conversation on this. There were two things that I remember a lot about Tech fans saying about last year's team. One was rebounding. Two was free throw shooting. This year, free throw shooting out the window. Yeah. I mean – I'm a really good free throw shooting team. I don't even know what Tech shot from the free throw line last year. But, you know, free throws is one of those things where people don't talk about it unless it costs you a game. Right. You know, sometimes they'll win a game by eight points where they go, and I'm not exaggerating, 26 to 30 from the line. And nobody right. talks and about nobody it. And nobody talks about it. Right. But, oh, if we'd have gone 15 to 30, we'd have lost. People don't say that. No, so. Yeah, yeah. They, they just see the game that you lose by four and you they shoot 60%. Uh, you know, there have been times in the past where you get on the boards after a loss and do we even practice free throws? And, and I look up the stats. Yes, we're actually 72% on the season and third in the ACC. We're a very good free throw shooter. <laughs> right. right. You know, so right. it's, it's like – And people have left that alone. That's how fans talk, right. But, but, yes, free throw shooting has been excellent. The only time people have talk, talked about free throw shooting this year was after the Florida State game down the stretch in the ACC tournament. Yep. That's right. the only time people have talked about free throw shooting. Yep. All right, so I know everybody here, they want to hear what Will and Chris have to say about Duke, the opponent in the Sweet 16. We'll break down the Blue Devils the second time the Hokies and the Blue Devils will meet this year. On the other side of this break, you're listening to the Tech Sideline Podcast, proudly presented by the Fisher Law Firm. If you have received a DUI or other traffic-related offense, the road ahead can seem uncertain. Here at Fisher Law Firm, we have a team that is with you every step of the way. We have the experience that comes along with having defended more than 30,000 criminal and traffic cases statewide and the expertise to get the job done. Call anytime, day or evening, for your free consultation or a complimentary copy of my book. Don't forget to ask us about our free appeal guarantee. To learn how we can help solve your problem, check us out at FisherLegal.com. This is Jonathan Fisher, Class of 98. Let's go Hokies. Welcome back aboard the Tech Sideline Podcast in what is a great week for Virginia Tech Athletics. Hokies of the Sweet 16, Makai Lewis, a national champion in wrestling and spring sports, off to terrific starts. Back with you alongside Will Stewart, Chris Coleman, I'm Evan Hughes. Transitioning from the first weekend, which Virginia Tech advances to the Sweet 16, wins over St. Louis and Liberty, and now definitely a different opponent that Tech will be seeing, but a familiar one. And the number one overall seed, the number one team in the country with the number one player in the nation, Zion Williamson in Duke, Hokies, Blue Devils in Washington, D.C. It's a 9:49 tip on CBS on Friday evening. Before we really get into Duke, I do have to ask, did you guys watch the UCF Duke game at all, or did we see highlights? Yeah, I was watching. So what I had going on, I was, I was sitting at home in my office, and I had the computer computer monitor in front of me i had the television to the left that was running tech and liberty and then i have an extra monitor to the right where i was streaming uh ucf and duke and in the early minutes of that tech liberty game 
I was really more watching that Duke UCF game. Yeah, you know, me too. I, yeah, I'd look I'm over occasionally and yeah. tweet a little bit about Tech and at Liberty and get back over to watching uh, Duke and UCF. I was guilty of that too because you can't help but look ahead. Oh, that's, that's your next game opponent. Like that and you're thinking, man, we might get to play UCF instead of Duke. Not that I particularly look forward to a matchup with with Taco Fall, but uh, but I would honestly rather play them than Duke. Obviously, what, what a uh, I think that's by far the the game of the tournament yeah, had, so far. And I, I, yeah, I think so. Um, I had I had I was in a bar, so I had both games. So I was trying to go back and forth between one one and the other. Um, it's pretty incredible game. I thought Duke was fortunate. I, I think Duke has some really talented freshmen. I don't think they run anything resembling a good offense. Of course, I guess it's hard to run a decent offense when. Nobody even bothers to guard your point guard because he's the worst shooter in the whole conference. Uh, yeah, just that, stop that guy can't shoot. Lane. And I know I'm saying this; he's going to drop five of them. Let's be like five three pointers right, in the first uh, half. But, but I mean, if we choose to not guard him, that would be the right game plan because he can't shoot. So the reason I want to bring it up is one: not only the fact that they were inches, I mean inches, from a Dawkins layup oh to gosh. losing in the round. I mean, I <laughs> incredible. I, game. I was watch. I was watching it with a friend and. Uh, when they missed that alley oop, they would have put them up by six. My body was like, "Oh, that's going to cost." Them. Oh, the, the, the thought went through my head. Oh man, you really yeah. should have just taken the easy route and laid it in. Yeah. And, but the reason I really want to harp on it is because I think that UCF laid out the blueprint to the rest of the country and said, "Listen, this is what you got to do." Sure. Now, is it easier to clog the lane when you have a seven foot six center sure and the one of the tallest? I think they actually said he's top 40 in the world, tallest people wow. on the globe. Uh, but Taco, I don't know how they know that. <laughs> anyway, um, sounds right. But, I mean, UCF to me, I mean, they, they went into a zone, Chris. They let they let Trey Jones literally wide open shoot, and he missed the shots that he took. The blueprint is there, is it not? The UCF, in your opinion, hand is a here you go, Virginia Tech. Sure, uh, but I mean, I, I think Tech's we are, already got that. I think blueprint. we already knew that. We pretty <laughs> much did the same thing against them and said, "Here, shoot it from the outside because you're an awful shooting team, and we're going to clog the lane." And they cooperated. And they in, in, in and, and they, right, and they missed their shots. Uh, I, I saw a stat this morning. Let me uh, let me pull it up because I think I retweeted it. Yeah. Um, so, and I, while he's looking at, I'll cut in and say, you know. Watching the end of Duke and UCF, I think you're uh, – because Duke is Duke, your first inclination is to think, oh, I hope UCF wins. That will make it easier for Virginia Tech. That's uh, what I was, That was my next question. Would you be as concerned about UCF – I mean, think about it. How would we guard – how would Virginia Tech guard Taco Fall? I, you know, uh, at, at, at best it's a 50-50 proposition playing one or the other. You're unfamiliar with UCF. You, you don't really it, you don't really run into seven foot six inch guys very often, whereas Tech plays Duke you know once a year and and Tech clearly has the game plan for beating Duke. They just need to do it somewhere other than Castle Coliseum. Right. They they do fine in Castle. They just don't do well in neutral sites and on the road. And where Tech was really good this year defensively is keeping the ball out of the paint. Yeah. They were, they were good at forcing teams into three point shots. All right. So biggest gaps in two and three point shooting. From the 2001-2002 season to the 2018-19 season. All right, so Duke was fourth in the country in two-point field goal percentage this year. They were 329th in three-point field goal percentage, which is a difference of 325. All right. Second worst was Duquesne in 2010, who was 38th in two-point percentage, 345th in three-point percentage, difference of 307. So 
almost that's almost 20 years of sample size, and there's never been a team that drops off as much from two point range to three point. Not range. even close. Actually. Not even close. Yeah. Well, and the one that um, kept him in three point shooting was Zion Williamson. He was draining big threes <laughs> yeah, when they needed him. That's a guy so. you might mm, you might want to depending upon how you do it, you might want to guard him at the three point line. I so let, let's let's break this down again. Virginia Tech 77, 72 winners. You, you've heard the whole storyline, every news outlet you go. They didn't have Zion. Virginia Tech didn't have Justin Robinson. I want to break this d- game down really into the X's and O's. What does Virginia Tech, quite simply, what do they have to do to knock off Duke? What are, Give me three things, CC. Mm-hmm. If Tech does X, Y, and Z, they beat Duke and go to the Elite Eight. Well, I think they've got to keep the ball on the perimeter, obviously. Because you see when that big boy gets going downhill, he's tough to stop. Um, so they were able to keep the ball out of the paint in the first meeting, and that's why they won. Doing that again with a guy like against a guy like Zion, that's that's a lot different. It, it's one of those things. I don't think Duke runs much of an offense. They they just have they're they're, just, they're really talented amongst their starters with Zion and Cam Reddish in there. Uh, and I think just their pure talent level when they play college players makes them a very tough team to beat. I don't think those guys are very advanced right now as far as X's and O's go, which is probably frustrating to Coach K. I don't know why he continues to recruit like this when he could recruit the best four-year players possible. And Anyway, that's, that's a whole other recruit guys in that 25 to 30 range instead of guys in that 1 to 10 range. Right, exactly. And then you got them for four years, and, and you can build one heck of a team. Although um, I don't know. Nikhil was in that range. Nikhil was even after yeah, two years. Yeah, but, uh, but, but he's gotten a lot better as a sophomore. No, right. Coach K doesn't even get that. He does, doesn't he get to get see the his guys get better Right, exactly. Um, so I, I think – Number one, keep the ball out of the paint. Number two, when Virginia Tech beat Duke the first time, it was because nobody had an off game. Remember Beatty had played like – I beat like seven or eight points in that game. Yeah, he had, he had two open threes, and he hadn't hit a three for like four or five games. He missed 11 that. in a row, I think. Right, and nobody had an off game. Everybody played to their best of ability, their ability that night. Um, and honestly, so if, if, if they do those two things – and then Duke doesn't have an un-Duke-like performance and make their three-point shots, then I think Tech will have a good chance Tech's to win a good the game. Shot, yeah. Now, now if, like, if, if Trey Jones goes out there and for the first time – well, not the, maybe not the first time, but if he goes against the numbers and actually makes his open three-pointers in this game, then you tip your cap. That, that's all you can do. And, and if that's the case, then Virginia Tech's not going to have a great chance to win. Uh, has Jack White made a three-pointer yet? Yeah, he did. I think he made a couple of the game after we beat him. Uh, see, that guy could be a problem um, if he comes in and he goes three of five from outside. I think one of the other things you try to, you need to try to do is keep him from getting out on the break. Uh, Zion's hard enough to stop in the half court. You don't really want to let him shoot three-pointers, but you really don't want him out on the break. You're not going to stop him <laughs> if he's out on the break. Um, I don't, I don't know what the key there is. Um, and he can even do some freakish things in the half court when they're running a half court offense. You know, so I'm sitting here as Chris is talking. I'm like, how do you stop Zion? Well, you don't. You know, he's a really, really. I don't. I'm, I'm not going to say once in a generation, but he's once in a three to five years kind of guy. Johnny Dawkins came on uh, Get Up this morning on ESPN and said he thinks he's already a hall. He'll be a Hall of Famer by the time he's done playing. What impresses yeah. me is he he plays really, really, really hard. He yeah. does. And, uh, he's not your typical number one. We talked about this on the podcast either last week. He, 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 yeah, I like Zion. I actually not, really not like that him I dislike player, guys right. in the past or anything like that, but I like him. I think he's a good dude. So there is this theory out there, and I want to get your thoughts on this because Zion had 32 against UCF, and there is this theory amongst fans that I've been hearing that let Zion let him get his let Zion score 35. <laughs> 
But it's all going to come down to R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish. I think that's a fair theory, you know, and and certainly in the past, other teams have have played other teams and other players that way. The theory, let that guy get his 30 to 35, make sure the rest of the team only gets about 20 to 25. Yeah, it's got merit. It does. I don't know how you do that. Uh, you can't. What is? Does anybody know off the top of their head what Barrett shoots from the outside? No. It's not it's good. It's head. not great. Um, yeah, I don't think anybody on their team could be classified as great. I mean, but he, but he may be clutch, right. which is different. Just as bad, or well, he was against uh, Tech, right? Was was that or was that Reddish? That I thought. I thought it was Barrett who Barrett had the big second stretch. half. Yeah, he did not yeah, start well Barrett, in the first. Yeah. Keep in mind, RJ Barrett. Oh was yeah, I, sick. Thought, I he, thought Barrett was never going to stop in that second half, and he finally yep, did. Yep. I remember that now. Yep, Barrett had that stomach virus in the first half, and literally was like sick, and then he played well in the second half, and. Yeah. Um, and, and, I, and I think, you know, I, I'm curious to see matchup-wise how Virginia – I mean, I'm assuming Blackshear will will guard Zion. Then do you put Beatty on Barrett because that's one of your top defenders or would that be Nikhil? I mean, I'm curious to see – They kind of mixed it up last time, if I remember. Right. Um, so, and I think they've got the capability to do that because I think Virginia Tech has some versatile defenders. Um, this is a good question by Bryant. Do you think it's possible to beat Duke with a less than impressive offensive performance and still have a chance to grind it out for a win? Mm. Maybe 20% chance of winning if you have a less than impressive offensive performance. Scored 77 last time, right? Was it 77? Yeah. What is the number that you guys think Tech has to hit to beat Duke? What number? 72. Yeah, I was that's gonna, where I'm going to put. Uh, you know, it's it's so hard to say. I mean, Duke scored 72 right in Castle. Mm-hmm. Correct. Without Zion. Correct. It might be higher than that. Yeah, <laughs> which doesn't make me feel good. Yeah, yeah. Um, but at the same time, I, I I don't know. I don't know. I mean, basketball is. I mean, I, I think if Duke played UCF tomorrow, they might beat them by 20. You just never know when you have freshmen out there. Um, so they could play a bad game against us. If they play their A game, we're going to get run off the court, possibly. Yeah. Possibly. Um, so, I don't know. It's just it's too much. You just never – in basketball, you just sometimes you don't know how teams are going to play. So so let's talk about the crowd a little bit. Um, yeah. That's another, that's another good question. There you go. And what, what is the question exactly? Uh, Josh says – do you think we will have a home court advantage in D.C.? Even if local alumni don't show up in droves, I would think MSU and LSU fans would be cheering for us. Right. Yes. Absolutely. Yes to the second part. For but sure. The, but the question is how many Duke fans – I don't know how many Cap One Center holds. Let's say it's 20,000. Are there going to be 10,000 Duke fans there or more? Uh, you know, it's possible. I, I know that in, in the circle I run in, no one's going to the game. They're jacked that Tech is in the in the Sweet 16. They're all within easy driving range of Washington, D.C. Some of them live there, and none of them are going because they go over to StubHub, whoa, 400 bucks, I'm out. I'll watch yeah, it th- Those TV. prices are coming down. Uh, well, that's, that's what I yeah. tell them. Yeah. Give, it, give it a few days and see if it comes down. One of my buddies just booked a ticket. He's paying 430 for the ticket and the transportation, not including transportation up there. But is it Friday and Sunday? Correct. It is okay. Friday, Sunday. So that's that's getting tolerable. Yes. But I, I still just think uh, – Well, I, I think Duke fans are going to outnumber Tech fans. It's how many of the MSU and LSU fans are going to win. Yeah, you know, that, that's right. And I'll say if you look at the StubHub prices for all the other regionals, 
prices for this is like twice as much. I'll bet. Is it yeah, really? Oh, yeah. I mean, and it's not like Carolina fans don't go to games, you know, and things like that. It's not like Virginia fans aren't going to show up. Where's Virginia playing? I oh, I don't even remember. Oh, I saw it the other day. Um, but, uh, but anyway, uh, I don't know. I, I think uh, – In Kentucky. I, yeah, Kentucky. right. right. Rupp uh, Arena? Nice. Uh, the Yum Center, right? Oh, Louisville. You're right. It's yeah. in Louisville at the Yum Center. Um, click, click, click. He's looking it up. <laughs> right. So, I, I I think Tech will have a – I think it'll be – if it's a good game, especially in the second half, I think those LSU and Michigan State fans, you know, particularly the fans whose team won the previous yeah, game. Yeah, they're going to want to play they're, Tech. They're, they're going to be really cheering for Virginia Tech for sure. So, yeah. uh, I think it's got the potential to be a really good atmosphere. And uh, keep in mind, too, Tech on CBS, they've got the A-team, Nance, uh, Bill Raftery, Tracy uh, – Tracy Wolfson and um, – four, four foot tall did, Tracy Wolfson. Did you see the picture of Tracy Wolfson? <laughs> and, and Taco. Taco. And then uh, who was the uh, the old uh, Piston? Grant Hill. Grant Hill. Nice uh, nice broadcast team there. Curious, just from a broadcasting perspective, they're going to keep the A team with Duke the whole way through the Probably, final four. Um, so, as long as they – you know, I'm not as big on the Vatek things as, as a lot of other people are, but they, what was up with the Hulkies? Hulkies. You know, I know he wasn't – I don't know who the play-by-play announcer was, but people on our board started making jokes about the Hulkies, like the Incredible Hulkies. Right. What are they talking about? And I actually, actually listened to the guy. It was a bizarre pronunciation of, of Hokies. It was more Hulkies. So just pronounce it correctly and stay away from the Vatek. And, oh, by the way, I could not dig this up, but my wife is a big Facebooker. So she's on the Virginia Tech parents page, and someone came over there and shared a post by uh, Greg Gumbel, where apparently they were getting in CBS, some tech fans were getting in CBS's grill about calling Virginia Tech Vatech. Don't do it. And Gumbel's post, my wife read it to me, I didn't get to read it, was, I thought it was pretty arrogant. Gumbel said, the couple of things I remember him saying were, hey, I called NFL football games with Bruce Arians last year, and he referred to his own alma mater as Vatech. And I tell you, and, and then he said something like, I tell you what, I'll stop calling you Vatech when you start spelling my name right. <laughs> wow. Okay, yeah. Greg. Big fan now. Well, you know, it's one of those things. It honestly does not bother me. Yeah. I don't care. The Vatech thing doesn't really bother me. As, as long as, all right, if they're saying good things about us because we're in the Sweet 16, they call us Vatech all night long. <laughs> I, I hope they keep calling us Vatech all the way to the Final Four, baby. But uh, the incredible hulkies. <laughs> no, no, no. What, now, what the bothersome part is, those guys are supposed to be professional and they're supposed to read their, their media guides and their game notes where Virginia Tech clearly puts it out there. Please don't call us Vatech. Is it Alyssa Ray that works for, I think, WDBJ? Um, tweeted out. It was a pretty neat tweet. It had four boxes checked. It was Virginia Tech, Hokies, it's things that you can call Virginia Tech. And down underneath that was a box that said Vatech, and it was X'd. And that got a lot of play. It got a lot of retweets. And, and I retweeted it at CBS and at CBS Sports and at CBS Sports College Basketball. I don't know. It, it's I, almost like they're digging their heels in at this point. Uh, yeah, for sure. And I don't. It doesn't bother me. I guess maybe because it does. Because I have to follow these recruits on Twitter, and every day I see blessed to receive an offer from Virginia Tech University. All right, let the me, University of Virginia Tech. The University like, of Virginia Tech. Okay, whatever. Let, I'm going to pose this question to Facebook, and we're going to answer it at the end. If you had to pick one, what would you rather hear? 
on TV, VaTech or Virginia Tech University. Facebook, end of the podcast. We're going to see what the results are. I wish okay? we could poll, yeah. All uh, right, so just people, just go ahead and start commenting. Would you rather be called Virginia Tech University or VaTech on TV? That's fine. So curious pick, to see. Pick, pick the lesser of two evils. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but we're spending, for guys that say it doesn't bother us, we're spending an awful lot of time talking about it. But part of that is because I know the fans sure. are interested. Yeah. Uh, let's do this because I really do want to talk about Makai Lewis, and I want to briefly talk about spring sports. Let's go ahead and recap this or, or, or put a bow on this Duke conversation. Will Stewart, is Tech going to the Elite Eight, yes or no? Probably not, uh, but I'm not as intimidated as a lot of people are. Um, I may live to regret those words, but, uh, you know, I'd give Tech anywhere from a 35 to 40% chance of winning that thing. You know, they're, they're going to play these games for a reason, you know. And, and in the NCAA tournament, nothing should surprise you, so it's kind of silly of me to say it wouldn't surprise me if Tech won. But, you know, it, it, it's not like – I don't think it's going to be a blowout or anything ridiculous like that. I like Tech's chances. Chris Coleman, is Virginia Tech going to the lead eight? Uh, you know, I think it's about a 40 to 45% chance that they do. Uh, I think Duke's talent will win out in the end. But, I mean, you got seniors in March, man. Uh, Something Duke does I mean, not they're, have. They're seniors and they're well coached. So, yeah, I think Virginia Tech definitely has a chance to win the game. And remember this, Duke already got lucky once. That layup against UCF didn't roll in. The tip didn't roll in. <laughs> James Bowman says, Vatech University. <laughs> <laughs> Clever. Well played. All right, and then uh, real quick, before we uh, wrap up the basketball talk, would you rather play LSU or Michigan State in the Elite Eight? LSU. LSU. And I, don't, I say that not knowing anything about the personnel on each Is, team. Izzo knows a little bit about coaching. I, I agree. He knows, a little, he knows a little bit about coaching, the whole Will Wade thing. He's not – He's still not back, Correct. right? Correct, he is. Yep. So, uh, you know, go ahead and give me LSU. Yep. Uh, I've had over 20 relatives go to Michigan State, include my mom from the state of Michigan. Yeah. So I can promise you growing up a half Spartan, don't want to play Michigan State. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll take LSU. That'll do it for the NCAA tournament talk about Virginia Tech. Again, 949 tip, Duke, Virginia Tech on CBS Sweet 16. As we transition now to a really important part, I, mean, I really want to make sure we give this the time that it deserves because Makai Lewis had Virginia Tech, the Hokie Nation, I mean, just everybody glued to their TV, it felt like. And I got to give both of you guys credit, the work here at Tech Sideline, I mean, really recapping and, and getting the energy and the emotion out of his national championship. Makai Lewis, for those that have not been listening to our talks about wrestling this year, in the 165 pound weight class, was the eight seed at the NCAA tournament and knocks off, I mean, so many talented wrestlers along the way. I believe he beat the number two in the semis. Yeah, so he started out by beating number 25, Cam Coy of Virginia, whom yep. he'd, he'd beaten many Twice times Twice this before. year. Uh, number 24, Kale McCormick, I think was his name, of Army. Yep, I'm, I'm pulling it up right now. So for a little background, they seed 33 wrestlers in each weight class. They do what's called a, what's called a pigtail between 32 and 33, and then they go to around a 32. So if you're seated like, well, if you're seated anything, anything but 32 or 33, you got to win five matches to win your weight class. Makai wins the first two fairly easily. He, he should. He was heavily favored. Then he goes up against uh, the number one seed in his weight class, Alex Marinelli of Iowa. And the quarterfinals, 3-1. Now, I've seen different things on Marinelli. One thing said he was undefeated this year, and, and but the actual bracket said he was 27-2. and two. Might have been counting some tournaments before and not the duels. Yeah. So Makai um, – I believe that was the match where it was tied one-to-one late, mm -hmm. and Makai got the late takedown, literally with five seconds left to go to win it three-to-one. 
A um, little bit of trivia that Chris alerted me to. When Makai won the Junior World Championship, I believe along the way he defeated Marinelli. I don't know that for a fact. Somebody well, told I me saw, that. I saw the video on YouTube, and they wound up tied 5-5 five to five at the end, and Makai won it on okay. uh, a, a criteria is what it's called. Correct. And keep in mind, that is very different. You're talking about freestyle wrestling, which is on the world, world stage compared to folk style. And that's scoring's different. How you try and get points is different. So those, yeah. that's two completely different ball games, so to speak, on trying to win. So that was his first two matches were on Thursday. That one was in the early session on Friday. And, and he, it finished up shortly after 1230 in the afternoon. And it starts to get out on Twitter that he's knocked off the number one seed. And then he had to wrestle number four, Alex Wick of uh, Wisconsin. Evan Wick. Evan Wick. Friday, Alex Marinelli, Evan Wick. Uh, Friday night. And, uh, and it, the word just got out. Now, one of the things that changed was that the semifinal against Wick was actually on ESPN, and the entire match was on ESPN. Previously, up until then, they'd been showing the NCAA Wrestling Championships on ESPNU, of course, they were only showing you the Penn State and Ohio State guys, the highly rated guys. Sure. Now, when Makai beat Marinelli, they, they cut and showed a little highlight of it. But on, fr- on Friday night when he was wrestling against Wick, they did the way they run the Friday night session, semifinal sessions, is they go through each weight class. So when they got to the 165-pound weight class, they've got two mats, I believe, going. Well, they had other mats going as well. But on TV, they had... Makai is the number eight against the number two, number four, Wick. And on the other one, they had the number two and number three seed. So you could watch ESPN and watch the entirety of both of those matches. The weight class. That, yeah, of that, that weight yeah. class to see who was going to win. So as I said in the article I posted today, that was really the first time you got to watch Makai Lewis wrestle an entire match in the NCAA championships. It was at night. It was roughly 9 or 9.30 when people were already gathering to watch Tech play basketball later on at about 10.20 that night. Timing worked out perfect. So social media set it up, and then ESPN delivered that. And, you know, Makai kind of, I thought he controlled that match fairly well. He uh, he was up 3-1, to then it got closed to 3-2, to and then again he got a late takedown. Against Wick. Against Wick. Right. To win it uh, 5-2. Then the championship. So then that sets up the championship on Saturday night. And um, so to, to back up a little bit, there are 330 wrestlers in 10 weight classes. So they go to PPG, PPG Paints Arena, and they do this at whatever arena they're wrestling, and they put eight mats on the floor. And in the early going, the wrestling is all day long, and all eight mats are going. Well, for the championship on Saturday night, they go through the 10 bouts. I'll call them bouts. I'll call them matches, whatever works for you, one by one. They've got one mat in the center of the floor, and everybody who's there for the week and all the fans are there watching it, all right? And so the, the wrestlers come out, and they, and they get the whole flame-shooting introductions and everything, and then those two guys go to that mat in the middle of that huge basketball arena, and they have it out. No place to hide. So it's, yeah. a, it's a great setting, you know, and – so he was wrestling against uh, Vincenzo, Vincenzo Joseph. Joseph. Joseph is a junior. He's already he's the first Penn State wrestler, and Penn State's an awesome program. He's the first yeah. Penn State wrestler to win a national championship as a freshman and a sophomore. 
So at this point, this guy is five and zero as a freshman in the championships. Five and zero as a sophomore. Four and zero to get to the finals. He's fourteen and zero. He's quote unquote only the number two seed, but he's he's a level above. He's a great wrestler. So that's your setup. And they go in and they start wrestling, and uh, it's nothing nothing at the end of the first three minute period. They set up for the uh, second period, two minutes. And very early in the second period, Makai gets what's called a cradle on Joseph. Joseph just made a mistake. He got his leg up in the air. He got his head down. Boom. He's down on the mat, and Makai almost pinned him. And it, it, it was a really – got to give ESPN credit. Man, they did a good job showing this. And what they showed, they zoomed in from above, and Makai's got Joseph on his back, and Joseph can't do anything. Right. He's – and the look on his face is just, he's breathing heavy, you know, his, his, his stomach's going in and out, and he's just kind of looking around like, oh, man, I'm in big trouble here. <laughs> and he avoided getting pinned. Makai eventually had to let him up. But that's what's called a near fall, and that's a four to nothing lead. Right, got the back points. And I remember looking and thinking, whoa, he's, something really remarkable is going to have to happen for him to lose this thing. He gets through the. Uh, I'm sorry, I've, I've I've watched the begin. I've watched that part in the end so much, I kind of forget what happens in between. Um, but it's so late in the match, Makai is up five to one. Now, somewhere along the way, and I left this out. Somewhere along the way, Joseph gets Makai up on one leg and gets his Correct. other leg up in the air. It was the single it was leg like the take. Last twenty seconds of the second of period. Of the second period, right, right. And that's when he got the uh, the takedown with twenty three seconds. So if, if I've watched a fair amount of wrestling this year, and you see that a lot. A guy will shoot in, and, and he'll get the other guy's leg, and he'll get him up in the air. So the dude's hopping. Correct. And he's pretty helpless. I've watched, and, and, and we're gonna, we, we, would like, we are planning on having Tony Roby and Makai Lewis on a, on a special podcast, and I'm going to bring this up. I've watched Makai get in that situation, get compromised like that, I don't know how many times this year, five or six, and I've never seen the other guy take him down. And it was a really remarkable last 20 seconds because Joseph's got his leg in the air. Makai's hopping around, and he's just looking at him, and he's kind of pushing on him. Joseph reaches out his leg and hooks it behind Makai's ankle because that's what they do. Right. And he starts to pull Makai's leg, and you're like, uh-oh, he's screwed. Right. He tries to pick his leg. And, and Makai just pops that leg up in the air and hops to the edge of the mat and avoids the takedown. And so Joseph doesn't even get any points for that. So you go in the third period, it's 5-1, to one, and they – they go back and forth, and, and in the last 30 seconds, I'm, I'm sure if you're listening, you've probably seen this. If you haven't seen this, you've been under a rock, okay? So they get down to about 30 seconds left to go, and Joseph gets Makai's leg up in the air again. And they do a little stuff, and Makai just just turns and puts him on the mat and gets another takedown, and it's 7-1. to one. He's going to win with about 25 seconds left to go. And that 25 seconds was the most fun I've had watching anything in a long time. So Well, and it was really cool. Actually, first of all, I thought it was really neat because you had Virginia Tech president Tim Sands watching. Mm-hmm. And he's got he says my favorite part of the match, he takes the screenshot and you see ESPN did a great job camera work and you see his parents in the background Freaking with out. about 15 seconds left. He's in he's well in control. He's on top and Everybody knows what's going to happen. He's got a smile on his face, right. and his mom and dad are just going crazy uh, in the background. I mean, it was a really, really cool scene. Um, I showed that I, video to a video to a lot of people, and I said, "This is why I like sports," you know. And and I wrote him an article today. Wrestlers do not smile 
during a match. Heck, they don't smile before or after most of the time. And he was just the joy on his face as he was getting ready to bring that championship home. It's just really cool. And the one thing that I've said all year, you know, having the pleasure of calling the uh, the home duels this year, is the one thing about Lewis and someone who's new to the sport like myself is that you can just tell when he's on the mat there's something special about him. He's yeah. so fast. I mean, you heard it when Tony Roby came on the podcast beginning of the year, for those who list. I mean, they knew what they had in Makai Lewis as a special wrestler. And to go off when he had that one leg in the air, and then he somehow works out of a almost a defenseless position. And, and that's against an elite wrestler. A two-time defending national right, champion. Right. It's not Penn like State. some dude he faced in December at the Virginia Duels or right, something right. like that. He takes him down, yeah. and that's the number one thing I've said all year. The, his ability to turn defense into offense is just remarkable. So there's, I, there's an interesting twist to that, um, and, and some of the guys on our message board, and, and really, if you've never been on our wrestling message board, just go read through some of the stuff there. Some of it you'll be like, what are they talking about? But other parts of it you'll learn some stuff. And what I learned is at that point it was 5-1, to one, and mm-hmm. Joseph has Makai's leg in the air. And, uh, and again, we can ask Tony and Makai about this on, on the podcast. Um, Joseph knew at that point to, to tie it up and have a chance. A regular takedown wouldn't do him any good. He had to get the back points. He had to get the back points. So or he, pin him. In an, in an effort to get the back points and possibly pin him and get out of that mess, he did compromise himself in a way that he otherwise wouldn't have. Correct. And Makai sniffed it out and rotated his hips and put him flat on the mat. So I, I'm curious because, you know, Will, you and I have watched so much wrestling this year, really getting invested in the sport. Chris, is somebody for you almost kind of like an <laughs> out, well, and, and kind of almost fair to say an outsider to the sport of wrestling. Mm-hmm. How exciting was that for you as someone who follows Virginia Tech sports to see that? I mean, is that something that you think could help bring more support and love to Virginia Tech wrestling? Well, I mean, I think, uh, yeah, when you see people winning championships, yeah, for sure. Um, I, I don't think, you know, wrestling isn't a sport that people naturally get into. So to draw people in, I think you've got to be really good at it. So yeah, I, I think I think it's a big deal, and and, so, and you know something you can ask Tony Roby about some more, from a recruiting standpoint. Now there's tangible evidence that you can come to Virginia Tech as a wrestler and win the national and championship. Be a champion. Right. How much will that help recruiting? Well, again, in, in a couple of things that Tony Roby, I mean, just all a ton of credit to him. He he and his staff recruited Makai Lewis. They're the ones who had the most attendance in ACC wrestling history for the tournament this year in Blacksburg, Virginia. Uh, a couple other All-Americans you can't forget, by the way, and David McFadden and Zach Savatsky. I mean, just the job that Tony Roby has done is remarkable. So McFadden Tech. wrestles at 174. He wrestled at 165 last year. Correct. McFadden changed weight classes, which is not an easy to thing. To make room for... Some guys it's easy, some guys it's not. Um, you know, he... he the coaching staff said, we want to move you up to 174 and make room for a Makai. And so it, it, it worked out. McFadden comes in fifth. He was seeded sixth, came in fifth. He wrestled slightly above his seed. And meanwhile, Makai wins a championship. So it was good for the team. And afterwards, you see the big hug that Lewis gave to Jared, uh, to Air Frere, as they call him, yeah. Jared Frere, the assistant. He was with Makai in Romania when he won his junior world championship earlier this year. Yeah. Then the hug to Roby. And then in the press conference, I don't know if you saw David McFadden lift Makai yeah, yeah. out of out. the press conference carry room and carried him out. Yeah. Uh, anyways, just a lot of excitement. And I, and I want to make sure we spent 
uh, the due time talking about this. The first national champion in Virginia Tech wrestling history almost got it last year. Jared Haught fell in a heartbreaker to a wrestler from NC State who yeah. he had beaten in the regular season and had success was earlier. Congratu- congratulations, Coach Roby and, and company. And there's no doubt, I mean, Come to Blacksburg next year and to see the defending national champion Makai Lewis wrestle. I mean, it's gonna it's gonna be a lot of buzz next year. I tell you what, it's it's actually kind of a shame that the ACC championship was here this year. Um, I thought momentum built well to it, and yes, attendance was good, but it rotates. Um, it's not coming back between for, the six in another five years. Yeah, um, if this had happened last year. Um, I, th- I wonder how many people you would have seen in Castle for the ACC championship. Um, I think they had attendance of 3,700 or something like that, which is pretty good and better than any of the other host schools have done. Uh, so uh, um, I don't know. The, the question becomes, where do you go from here? But, you know, there's plenty of time to talk about that later. Um, let's just enjoy what was a remarkable accomplishment. Um, in terms of seating, it was a remarkable accomplishment. But if you watch Makai wrestle, uh, you know, yeah, it was cool, but you're really not that surprised. Right, right. And and uh, ending on this, think about the wrestlers he went up against, right? Marinelli in the quarters, number one seed. Uh, Wick. Wick in the semis, but then even Vin- Vincenzo, the two-time defending national champ, he was not taken down one time the entire tournament. One time. Keep in mind, 165 is one of the toughest weight classes. No right. disrespect to any of the other weight classes. There's a lot of power and a lot of speed. Correct. That, that you get class. that middle. I mean, 165, you could make the argument, is the toughest yeah. weight class. Keep in mind, he won the most outstanding wrestler. of Out of all 330. Out of all 10 weight classes, all 330. I mean, he was arguably the storyline of the entire NCAA wrestling oh, championship. No, no. Right. So the one thing I left out in talking about his actual match was, you know, 15,000, 20,000 people there, and, and he's he's competing against uh, Joseph of Penn State. Man, the, the, that, the crowd was into it. When he oh, cradled yeah. him and turned him over, there was a big roar, you know. People know what they're looking at. You're, you're talking there, Penn State fans, Ohio State fans, Rutgers tons fans. Tons of Big Ten people Tons there, yeah. of Big Ten people, but they, they walked away talking about him. Well, again, we're really excited whenever this happens. We're really looking forward to getting Coach Tony Roby and Makai Lewis on special edition of the Tech Sideline podcast. I know you and I are very excited uh, about talking to him, yep. again, the, the national champion. Uh, quickly, because I know I'm not looking at the time, but I'm sure we're over an hour at this point. Uh, we're we're in 10 minutes. Yeah. Okay, we're, we're okay. doing all right. Uh, I want to close with this because – <laughs> Again, you you look at it from a whole. I think I saw someone on the message board say it's like it's a really good time right now with Virginia Tech athletics. I mean, uh, a lot's on the high right now. Spring sports. Uh, we'll talk about it in just a minute. Softball is twenty seven and four. four They're eight, ranked eight and one in the ACC. Ten wins in a row. And I, I don't know a lot about softball, but I can read a box score, and they're not just winning. They're they're oh, blasting people. I, I oh. called two of their games last week, and then watched the Bingham. I'm sorry, the Lipscomb game in person. Uh, the one of the biggest things that stands out to me that Pete Demore has come in and done right away is the hitting. Mm. Last year, Tech loses ten one run games. They go 23-30. and 30. Their pitching was the third-best ERA in all of the ACC. But they lost a lot of low-scoring games, 
This year, I mean, they are just, it's like home run city. I mean, Emma Strout, I believe, had three combined home runs in the doubleheader last Tuesday and the in the game Wednesday against uh, Lipscomb. Then they go to Pittsburgh this weekend, outscore them 37, 37 to, three to 3 combined. And they, some of them ended early because of yes, the slaughter. Yes, they won 18 nothing on Friday. I mean, I know Pittsburgh's a little bit down this year, but still, I'm telling you all kind. that <laughs> – Virginia Tech, 27-4. This is a team that could get back to the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2015, and they're number one in the ACC right now. Florida State is the defending World Series champions. But I tell you what, I mean, you know, not getting too far ahead, that's when the coach Demore really stresses one game at a time, but the future is really bright the rest of the year. And regular season, they don't even meet Florida State. Correct, they do not. The other current. The ACC uh, tournament's in Tallahassee this year. Um, but the thing is, with the with the way it's set up right now in softball, is if Tech wins the Coastal, regardless, you know, very similar way as in football, if you, if you win the Coastal, you're going to clinch at least a top two seed, depending on what your record is compared to the Atlantic winner. See, I look at the standings on the ACC.com, and they don't break it out into Coastal and Atlantic. It's weird. If you go to 2018 on that website, they do. For some reason, they haven't this year. They're they're not real good at that. Next year. And I'll bet if you download their notes every week, they probably you'll do see have it. it broken out. Next year, when Clemson joins the ACC first year as a program, it'll go back to <laughs> 1 through 14, no Coastal Ronnie, Atlantic. Ronnie uh, Adams says, I remember the tenure year. She would want to hit a team and lose the game. Yeah. There, yeah. there were times when – the game one another. They have an error, you know. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, upcoming for softball this week, they've got Radford Wednesday and then uh, a, a pretty big home series against Louisville this year. The reigning ACC coach of the year, Holly April, moved from Pittsburgh last year to Louisville. Um, so that should be a uh, a competitive series. So uh, that's at Tech Softball Park. Definitely a good Is time to come up. Weekend? That's this coming weekend. Uh, that should be a good series. And then it should be good weather in Blacksburg. It should. It's going to be like 60s, 70s this yeah. weekend. Yeah. And then baseball, picking up a ginormous win against North Carolina, a top 10 team last Friday, in which uh, I'm already forgetting his name. I'm sorry. I just had it. Uh, there was a no hit bid going oh into the ninth. Goodness. Was it Seymour? Yeah, it was Ian Seymour. I mean, that's a, Chris, you know as a baseball, that's a big-time win against North really Carolina. It's really hard to do, and I watched the last three innings in, in the office, and he was really keeping the ball down. I think at that, I think he might have only had five or six flyouts for the game, and it's mm-hmm. like I've always talked about. The wind blows out so much in English field, as we saw on, the, on Virginia Tech's home run on Friday. You need a pitchers that can keep the ball on the ground. You need ground ball pitchers. And, you know, even when he missed, it was it was low. He was not missing up. And uh, I thought he pitched a, a great game. And so, what finally got him was it an infield hit? <laughs> it was, it was, it was one of those that was on. kind of caught between the shortstop and the third baseman. Yeah. Uh, so he was kind of run out of gas at that point. But that that was unfortunate. But uh, he was still national pitcher of the week. No which, kidding. Which is the second time this year Virginia Tech has had a national pitcher of the week. So. You, you gotta like the the job they're doing with the pitching staff. Voice though. of the Hokies for baseball, Andrew Allegretta saying that's one of the best ACC pitching performances in Virginia Tech history. He felt like. And no, I would definitely agree with that. So, uh, anyways, and the other one was Gerard, the fr- the true freshman who went mm-hmm. down to Florida State, number one in the country. They suffered their first loss against Tech, six nothing, and he had a no hit bit going into going the middle like part the sixth, of the yeah. So. Yeah. Again, you look at the job that Coach John Sheff's doing. This is a team that could potentially make some noise. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, they didn't win the series against UNC, but they were competitive. They didn't win the series against Florida State, but they led twice late in they that first game. They lost in extras in game. Right, they right. really I mean, should have won the series. Yeah, they, you know, they, they could easily have won two out of three in all in all three AC series, I think. Uh, but they're, they're, they're just much, much more competitive. 
this year, and, and they're still fairly young. You know, they got some freshmen playing key roles. Uh, Seymour's a sophomore. Um, you'd like for Kerry Carper to come back for a senior year next year, but the way he's hitting the ball, I'm not sure that, that that'll happen. But pretty pleased about that progress. Last thing, lacrosse is 8-4, and four, and they're currently on a nice win streak right now. That is four in a row, uh, including a 15-14 overtime win against number 13 Denver. Last Sunday, they beat Louisville on Saturday 17-16, to and then Listen to this gauntlet, guys. Yeah, this, is um, br- this is brutal. So they're eight and four, and when I say gauntlet, every now and then you hear this, like, "Oh, there's got to be." It's okay. overused. Uh, <laughs> um, number four, North Carolina tomorrow at Syracuse at Notre Dame. By the way, these are all in the top ten. The, the rankings just not showing up. At Syracuse in the top ten, at Notre Dame in the top ten, home against number one Boston College on Senior Day, and then at Virginia, who's in the top ten. Mm-hmm. So their next five opponents to close the season. All are in the top ten yeah, in the country. Should be yeah. pretty nice uh, strength of schedule. Correct. <laughs> if they were a basketball team, they would not be in the eight nine game. Their exactly. Strength of exactly. Would be strong. So uh, that's a big one tomorrow. Uh, North Carolina coming to Thompson Field, ranked fourth in the country. Um, that should be a good one. But anyways, things are flying for spring sports right now. And uh, but right now, attention still on the winter sports. It's basketball season, Sweet Sixteen, uh, and that is just about going to do it for our podcast today. MLB opening day is Thursday. That's I'm right. Thinking if your basketball team is still playing on opening day, you've had a pretty good year. Any comments or anything that we need to jump to before we uh, sign things off? I think we're good. Uh, it was kind of split down the middle between Vatech and Virginia Tech University. <laughs> There we go. Vatech. What, what did he say? I'm sorry. Uh, Vatech University. <laughs> there we go. That's the way. Uh, all right, the, Hul- uh, the Hulkies of Vatech University. <laughs> uh, what's on TSL this week? Anything? I mean, I'm sure a preview coming up on Duke, if not yeah, already. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll have a Duke preview the, tomorrow or Thursday. The great thing is there's not a lot of pressure to write a Duke preview because, you know, already, everybody yeah. knows. Stop yeah, I can't tell you anything you don't already know about Duke. <laughs> Uh, let him shoot the three ball, right? Yes, let right. Tra- uh, specifically Trey John. Well, hopefully the next time we talk to you on this podcast, we're talking about Virginia talking Tech. About a trip to the Final Four. In the Final Four. So uh, how about that? Uh, that is definitely something nice to definitely think about in SEG. And Hokies, Blue Devils, 949 tip Friday in Washington, D.C. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the Tech Sideline Podcast is the March Madness CBS NCAA song plays as we wrap things up. This has been a fantastic podcast. Our thanks as always to Will Stewart and Chris Coleman uh, for terrific insight. Again, Hokies Blue Devils Sweet 16. Enjoy it, everybody. We'll talk to you next week right here on the Tech Sideline Podcast.